0: Howdy, folks, and welcome back to another amazing jam-packed episode of Nerdstalgic. This is my 10th episode, so it's a huge celebration, really excited, really happy. Uh, I thank you all for being here, even though technically this isn't my 10th episode. This is technically my, eight, this will be my 18th episode, if you factor in all the side quests. But if you don't factor in the side quests, technically this is um, my, uh, my 10th episode. Um, I'm doing well. Hope you guys are doing well. It's a big celebration for me. Really big day. Like I am extremely happy and I'm extremely overjoyed that we've managed to get to this point and that people are still listening and people are like it and people um, are giving great feedback. So I just want to say before we begin, before we start, I want to say thank you to everybody who supported me to get into this point. As I mentioned in my first episode, this has been a dream of mine for a very, very long time. Something that I've wanted to do for again, a long time as well, and to finally get around to sitting and doing it and people enjoying it. And again, like obviously, my first worry was the fact that I didn't think anybody would want to sit and listen to me ramble and waffle about things I like. You know, I guess that's worry for everybody when they first start a podcast is will people like what I have to say? Will people be interested or is it just going to be me talking to myself as usual? but to find people you know being interested, sharing it, retweeting, like uh, sending feedback, um, you know telling me that they like the topics I'm talking about and giving me sort of ideas for topics to, to look into in the future, it's all been quite surreal. And considering I only started in January, it feels like I've been here for a very long time. I feel like I've improved, I've got more confident. I feel like it's easier to do this now than it was when I began. Um, And I know I'm only 10 episodes in. This is something that we really should be doing when I'm at, like, you know, episode 50. But I just feel that in such a small amount of time that I've grown so much. You know, I've made loads of friends, like Chat Tsunami, for example. Um, They are an amazing podcast group. Um, Two guys that just talk about gaming and stuff like that. I I really enjoy their um, work, and they've become good – well, I'd say good kind of close – Colleagues friends I'm not really sure how you pronounce it because we're only like not recently we've recently been talking so I don't know how you how you structure it um but I hope to you know work with them more in the future and kind of get to know them more and it, it's just been nice to be welcomed that's that's the point I'm trying to get at it's just nice to be welcomed so I want to say thank you to everybody who's who's listened from day one who's currently listening today um who's helping and supporting me through through this it, it means a lot um and yeah we're at 10 episodes and hopefully we get to 20. Get to fifty, get to hundred. Uh, we'll just see where the wind takes us. But I'm I'm really happy. So I just wanted to say thank you to everybody um so far for the support. It really means so much to me. So now um now that's out of the way. Um today's topic is one that I've been I've been wanting to do myself from day one, and it's been one again. It's one of those like the Discworld um, last week. It's one of those that has been asked from me by a lot of friends of mine to talk about and I've hinted at it here and there about my joys of this said topic um, but I've never really properly done an episode on it so I figured you know what it's my 10th episode my celebration I've done 10 episodes why not you know why not sort of um, open the open the lid to that uh, treasure chest <laughs> trying to find a word of uh, things you open I, I can't believe I got stuck on things you open All right, there yeah. Try to open that chest, uh, treasure. Eh, yeah. one second. I can speak English. I know I can. Yeah. try to open that treasure chest. Um, to really sort of delve in deep into this topic of mine, that I have great passion and love for. And as you, if you've read the introduction, you kind of give it away, and you you know what we're in for. Um, today's topic I'm going to be talking about is uh, the ninth Doctor, uh, from Doctor Who. Um. Like I said, this is one that's been asked of me for a very long time. And it's one that I've been thinking about. And as soon as I knew that my 10th episode was getting close, it's one I put a lot of thinking in. I sat down and was like, you know, I'm really going to try and focus as much as my nerdism as I can on this one topic. And and as we will go through them, you can see that I rewatched a lot of episodes and I I got into a lot of... um, things and graphic novels and stuff like that so I, I really delve deep into this one so i hope you guys enjoy it and hope you um find it faster as much as i do so without further ado uh, let's cease my babbling and let's get on with it shall we all right let's go now back in 2005 uh doctor who uh came back onto the scene after i think uh, the doctor who kind of got cancelled around about Around about 1989, if I believe, was Sylvester McCoy's Doctor, the 7th Doctor, which then led into, I think, I, I I still haven't watched it, and I feel bad that I haven't watched it. One day I will get around to it. But that led to, I think, the late 90s um, with the 8th Doctor, which was with the Doctor Who movie, um, which, like I said, I haven't watched it as of yet. But I love Paul McGann. Paul McGann is a fantastic Doctor. I've listened to a lot of big Finnish um, audios of him, and he just has such a silky voice. Oh God, you just want to fall in love with the guy. But that's not what the point. The point is, you know, Doctor Who uh, was cancelled, and it was tried to be revived in movies. The movies didn't do the movie didn't do very well, shall I say? And then, as far as everybody else knew, uh, Doctor Who was was dead, was ceased, was gone. Now, as I said, I was born in '98, uh, prior, so I didn't know about Doctor. Who. I didn't know it existed. Didn't know nothing about Doctor Who. That was until 2005 came along, the revival and uh i remember watching the bbc one adverts for it and it was a an actor that i knew but i only knew him from one movie um christopher eccleston i only knew him from Gone in 60 seconds the nick cage movie where he played the villain um i was like oh, okay, okay this is cool again i'm only young i'm like oh yeah that, that guy was a villain who what's the doctor what, what is doctor who i don't know what this is as far as i was aware doctor who was a brand new tv show it never existed before Nothing had come before it. It was just 2005, and that's it, right? So that was my mindset going in. I saw the adverts. They blow me away. And if you remember the adverts, the adverts to Advertise Doctor Who when it first was getting relaunched was crazy. Like, it was for some reason. Like, these scenes were never shown at all. These these adverts, these scenes were purely shot just for advertising. You had moments of, like, the Doctor running down, uh, an industrial hall, and then for some unknown reason, explosion behind him. Uh, it's just a lot of running. The Doctor loves to run, and then all of a sudden, you know, like, do you want to go on an adventure? Do you want to come with me? And then Rose, um, Billy Piper would uh, appear, and again, my little mind was blown away. I was like, "What is this? this what, I don't, I, I don't understand." But I'm, I'm intrigued. Um, so I remember the first episode came out, Rose, and I was, I was blown away. I really was. And as we went on with Doctor Who, I became more and more of a fan, a uh, big lover of it, a really big lover of uh, Christopher Eccleston. I remember that, like, they, they had these things called battle cards. I think they were called battle cards. Um, it was called like card you collect and it had different monsters on it, and different, do- and uh, you know, the Doctor and Rose and Mickey and Jack and uh, the Savine and so on and so forth they were on there and you could collect them and then it's kind of like top trumps you know it had like stats on them so you go with your friends and um you could kind of what's the word i'm looking for compare and whoever got like the best stats on that card and so on and so forth i never used it for that i just did it for collecting purposes knowing that i had a Savine or i had like um they did it for like david Tennant. and i think i don't think they did it for um matt smith but i know david Tennant's run they carried it on and i remember i had like i had a K9 and a I, I want to I want to say Krillian, the the. Uh, but I can't remember what they're called. The big sort of pterodactyl things. That, when we first meet Sarah Jane. But that's not important. That's the tenth Doctor. When we get around to the tenth Doctor, eventually we'll talk about him. But yeah, I remember I had all the cards and I had magazines, and I really, really loved Doctor Who and toys. And one thing I never, I never got, which I don't know as to why. But one thing I never got, but always wanted, was a, um, sonic screwdriver. I never got one. I don't know as to why I didn't. Uh, if you'd think, you know, me as a young kid, really loving it, and that's the doctor's sort of main tool that I would want one or have one, never did. I'm currently on the hunt for a ninth doctor, um, or even a 10th doctor, cause they're relatively the same. The only difference is the 10th doctor's ones extends. And, uh, I, th- I don't think Christopher Eccles one's does. Um, but I'm on the hunt for one. So if, if you listen to this and you have one, or you know where to get one, please do let me know on Twitter. Um, but yeah, uh. Christopher Eccleston, 9th Doctor, he was my first introduction to Doctor Who. He is my Doctor. No matter if I... Even though he wasn't there for like only one season and we didn't get enough of him, you always remember your first Doctor. No matter who it is, no matter if you came to that Doctor at the end of their season or the middle of their season or the beginning, you always have your Doctor. The Doctor that was there when you were growing up. And for me, it was Christopher Eccleston. Even though that I am a a huge fan of David Tennant and I love Tennant's Doctor... And for a long time, he was my doctor. He was my sort of main doctor. When everybody would ask me, who's your favourite doctor? It'd be David Tennant. And that was only only reason that changed was as I've grown up and as I've gotten older, and I've gone back and I've revisited the older episodes of Doctor Who and rewatching it from the beginning and seeing and having a better understanding and now having a better understanding of not just Doctor Who, but have a grown up mind and have a nerdy mind and rewatching Christopher Eccleston in his first season. It kind of gave you that sort of insight of like, God, this guy is a lot deeper than my little young brain would ever understand. He's a, And his acting is a lot better than, you know, I remember it being. I'm not saying his acting was bad, but I'm just saying like, because I'm older, I just see it more clearly now. You know, the the younger sort of interpretation has gone the older interpretations here now. And I can say, well, actually, this guy deserves more love. This guy deserves a lot of appreciation. And it kills me even today when I talk to Doctor Who fans and I asked them about, oh, what do you think of Chris, uh, Christopher Eccleston, the Ninth Doctor? And it's, it kills me whenever you, you, you hear these words, oh, I skipped him. Yeah, it, it really hurts. It really does hurt me when people say, oh, I skipped nine. I think you're a fool. I know it sounds horrible and that's kind of really uh, horrible to, to come out with. But I think anybody who skips nine is, is really foolish. I get it. It's only one season. um, But you can't skip nine. Yes, ten's amazing. And I don't blame people for wanting to jump to ten. I really don't. But Christopher Eccleston had just a way with his Doctor um, that I will go into more depth um, later on. But Christopher Eccleston's Doctor was one of those where he was very intense, but you could tell that he was going through a lot, that he'd been through a lot. And as we find out with the Time War, we can understand that. And obviously, hindsight being a very beautiful thing, we now know about the whole... uh, We had uh, Paul McGann... Uh, he was in the Time War and he was he was kind of struggling with the Time War and he went to the, I can't remember what they're called, but for argument's sake, to kind of get the story going, uh, we're just going to call them the Witches' Cover because they are kind of like the Witches of Gallifrey. And Paul McGann's Doctor goes to these, uh, asks them for help. They give him like a, a potion to help him regenerate. And then he ends up regenerating to the War Doctor, John, John Hurt. And then sort of the War Doctor goes on. Uh, there are books and there are big finish audio, audio uh, audiobooks on uh, the War Doctor, which I haven't really got into that much. I'm basically going off um, what I've seen on the show and I've seen my own sort of deep dive with my notes, as you can hear, go through my notes of what I could find and put together. Um, because obviously, big finish is great, but like it, it's there's too much a big finish to really get through um, for one episode. So if I ever get, do get round to the War Doctor, um, I promise I will jump in uh to to that in more in depth and it's i will spend a lot of money because i trust me now when i say big finish is expensive it's expensive you need to sell a kidney okay (laughs) so um we're not going to jump into the war doctor yes but because of hindsight we now know that you know paul McGowan went into the war doctor which then you know regenerated into christopher eccleston and as you can imagine the guy's still got a very warlike mind suffering from ptsd i think all the doctors are really suffering from ptsd it's just that as time goes on that it's less than less and it's gotten to the point where the, like where you got to peter capaldi where he's purely just as he says to bill bill says to him have you ever killed anybody like do, do you even care and he tells her like i'm over like a thousand years old i've never had the time to fit th- like to care I have to get on with it and deal with it. So it's kind of the, the point where you can see the evolution of the Doctor, where like he still reflects, and the the Time War still affects him, but he's gotten to the point now where it's just the fact of, I can't change it. I've just come to terms with it. I don't like it, and I'm going to be judged by it, but it's just the way it has to be. Otherwise, I am not going to be able to be me. I'm not going to be able to do what I need to do if I keep reflecting on it, you know. So, whereas we see Christopher Eccleston he still is very much the the warlike sort of mentality. And he's trying to come out of that. And you can see, and I, again, I'll go into this more, more clearly later on, but you can see that he, for, as the season goes on, this one season, he tries to redeem himself, and he does redeem himself near to the end. But I'll go into more detail in that um, later on. But Christopher Eccleston, hands down, is one of my favourite actors to play the role. Sadly, again, we only got one season with him. Again, that hurts, but obviously, if you look into it, you understand as to why. I don't really want to bring up old drama, but uh, the long and short of it, what is there, was a lot of creative differences between Christopher and I think the director, or writer, or both. I'm not, I can't really remember for sure, but there was a lot of um, creative issues there. And eventually, Chris Eccleston just decided, okay, okay, you know, we ain't gonna come to an agreement. I'm gonna go my way, and then you guys can go next. Um, which is a shame, again, because I would have loved to see more Chris Eccleston again quite recently Chris Reckelson has gone on to do Big Finish uh, as the Ninth Doctor and uh, he's been doing loads of uh, audio sort of plays there again I haven't listened to those either because again I have to sell a kidney and an arm to buy those ones because they're new so they are expensive and um, one day I will get into the whole Big Finish um, when I've experienced more I have experienced quite a few Big Finish um but not as much as enough to properly delve deep into talk about it but I um I would just tell you now that if you want to get into Big Finish, good luck, Um and sell some organs and and uh maybe some jewellery, and then maybe your house and other things like that to you know to afford things because some of them are cheap and then others are just so expensive, especially box sets. Oh god, I ain't gonna get into it because I'm gonna be here for ages. But yeah, Um one day I'll, I'll get into the Big Finish. But he is doing sort of audio stories on Big Finish. He ha- he is doing. Things like that. He did do some of the books. Uh, well, not... Yeah, tell a lie. He did do some of the books. I mean, he did do um, some of the audio plays um, for, like I said, Big Finish. But uh, sadly, he didn't do the books. But, you know, I feel like he's... Obviously, I don't want to say things I don't know. Again, I'm not Christopher Eccleston. I don't know what he was thinking or feeling. But it feels like now he's slowly kind of coming back into it but in his own terms, like he said himself recently that he wouldn't come back for the 60th anniversary. And he said that he would only come back if they had him on his own. Whereas he, like um, his doctor who only works is not one of is one of the doctors that wouldn't work on a multi-doctor story. You know, Chris, his version of the doctor isn't a multi-doctor. His doctor is just the doctor. And that's it. You know, he doesn't work well with other versions of himself, which I understand. Which, again, I will get on to more detail in that um, later. Um, see, there's a lot to cover here because the Knife Doctor, like, you've only one season, but he's incredibly in depth. There's a lot to the Knife Doctor. There's a lot to all the Doctors, but you would think after one season there wouldn't be a lot, but there is. There's so much to get into. Um, but, yeah, so as I said, Knife Doctor, my first introduction of it, blown away, and he is my Doctor. And, again, it still kills me that people say they skip him. Um, but hopefully, if you're listening to this and you, you're not a Doctor Who fan, or um, you, again, yourself, you skipped The Knife Doctor, or um, you're just here to kind of see what Doctor Who's, kind of, well, say Doctor Who's all about, um, because that's a completely different video, but, you know, just come in just to kind of get an idea for Doctor Who and see if it'd be something you're interested in, then I hopefully will try to convince you as, as best I can to not skip um, The Knife Doctor and to generally give him a go. So um, the way this structure is going to work, the way I'm going to do it is that I'm going to talk about the episodes. Um, don't worry, I'm not going to talk about every single episode because um, we'll be here for hours and hours and hours. Um, I'm, I've just taken out my some of my favorite episodes and I'm going to talk about them in very brief sort of um, brief ways uh, again. And then I'm going to talk about the books again. I'm not going to talk about all the books um, I'm going to talk about three of my favourites, and then I'm going to talk about other sort of forms of media um, that he's been in, and then I'm going to um, talk a bit about the Doctor himself and my theories and thoughts on Chris Eccleston, and the Ninth Doctor's Knife Doctor, Doctor, and then um, we're going to end it on the overall thoughts. So this should be should be fun. So now we've had my sort of introduction to Doctor Who and where I I started and my love of Doctor Who. Uh, began, um, time to jump in with the episodes, those those episodes that really sort of brought Doctor Who into the forefront, which made my love of Doctor Who so solid uh, nowadays. So, uh, on to the episodes. Now, as I said, I'm not going to go into every single episode because we'll be here all day, and your time is precious, not just to me, but to yourself, so obviously I don't really want to be here yammering on about every single episode because we'll be here for, for ages. But I will say um, there are 13 episodes in this season. Um, uh, technically 14, if you include the Christmas special, I don't because obviously that is primarily you know the introduction of um, and sort of starring David Tennant. you don't really see um, Christopher Eccleston at all. Um, so I don't class the Christmas episode, but usually when you get um, the first season of The Doctor, it's usually bundled in. Um, again, I'm not sure as to why, but it is. But either way, in my interpretation, there's 13 episodes in total in this uh, series. And um, here's some of my favourites. Yeah. So um, first off, one of my most favourites, which should be on everybody's top list of favourites for, for for nine, is Rose, which is the first episode the first real sort of, for me anyway, the real sort of taking in of what the doctor was and who the doctor is. It was my first introduction. Uh, it starts off quite simple. You know, Rose, she is an average, normal human being. She goes to work. She goes home, hangs around with her mom, talks to a boyfriend, goes to work, rinse and repeat. You know, average, normal sort of girl, right? Then, you know, she's at work. She gets told to um, go down, into the cellar to drop off. I think it was. I think it's like bingo money. Um, so again, a normal average thing that somebody might do. And then next thing you know, next thing she knows, without any sort of realization that she's in danger, she becomes again like in danger, come attacked. And then and then the doctor just appears out of nowhere. She's she's gonna die. You know these wax figures are coming alive. They're gonna attack her. You know she's any normal random person. And all of a sudden the doctor comes, grabs grabs her hand. And Shays run and they run, and that's it. And that's the introduction to the doctor, you know. No, um, sort of big, grand, sort of thing, just a, st- a simple, short, sort of story of like to kind of tell you the idea of like Rose is an average, normal, everyday human being, you know, and that just by meeting the doctor, her life has instantly changed, and that it's not just changed the fact of what's going on in the situation it's fact of now that, you know, the doctor saved her, she's now a target. She is now a point of interest for, um, live, the live, oh, the live in plastic, you know? And, um, one of the, one of my favorite lines from, from this episode, um, where he, he comes in, he, he goes, uh, he goes, I'm the doctor by the way. What's your name? She goes, Rose, no, Tyler. He goes, no, it's me, Rose Tyler. Now run for your life. And then the building blows up and like, it's such a it's such a clever way to introduce not just the doctor but to introduce a character you know what i mean um it's it's not just the fact of oh well you know doctor revive we can do some big brash sort of amazing sci-fi cgi effects and we could probably do the tardis flying in and landing and the doctor just appearing and stuff like that but they they decided to ground it they decided to kind of make it more sort of um realistic in a way where like it's just an average joe average every day sort of human in in the ties of rose and then she just meets the doctor and her world's change and you as yourself the watcher the the viewer your world's change as well because it's not just he's not just grabbing rose's hand he's grow he's grabbing your hand grabbing your imagination and saying run you know come on this adventure with me Let, let's go and as the episode goes on you get a better understanding and more fun of Christopher Jackson and what his doctor is and how that, you know, he's probably recently, um, what's the word regenerated and that he is just trying to find his way. He does. He's kind of like the war's ended, you know, now what, you know, what, do, how, how do, cause obviously one thing you've got to realize with the time war, the time war went on for a very, very long time and he had to do a lot of things that he didn't want to do. And that, um, it's very, It took a toll on him. So I I feel with this Doctor, and again, I'll go in a bit more detail of it later, but I feel like with this Doctor, he was just trying to find his way, trying to find, like, how do I get back into the groove that I used to be before the Time War? And um, that is basically this episode, is that kind of introduction to Rose, the introduction to um, Chris Eccleston's Doctor, how he's trying to be the hero, how he's basically trying to be the guy that he was before. and that. he's just trying to go with the motions and obviously getting a companion and not being on his own again. So that's what I love about Rose. It's not just the introduction, but it's also that kind of idea of, you know, that this doctor, he he's lost, but he's trying to do the right thing. You know, kind of like Spider-Man where it's like, he, he's just trying to be better. You know, that's the best way he can do it. He's just trying to be better. He's been done wrong for a long time. He's just trying to be a better person and just do better. Um, and I think that's very nice. Again, that again, that's not really currently. It might be evident um, if you're an old Doctor Who fan, but um, obviously, I this is my interpretation from hindsight. You now, being a fan of uh, the newer Doctor Who's and watching the whole sort of um, story with the War Doctor take place, that we sort of know this uh, bit of, bit of trivia to be true. Um, but yeah, that's so. That's how I sort of interpret it myself anyway with Rose and that's why Rose is always at the top of my list because it was just the the best introduction to a character I've seen on TV for a very very long time. So uh, number two uh, is The Empty Child. Uh, Now this one I I love it because it just shows the Doctor in, in full form. This is the Doctor at his best you know where he is the sleuth. He's the detective. He is basically trying to help anybody during you know the world the second world war but he's trying to you know again like i mentioned he's trying to be the hero again he's trying to be the savior again you know this is his moment where he can generally help somebody Where, like during a war you know it's not a bad thing to try to save one or two people you know during a war i think it's quite sort of when everybody else is taking lives you know you want to be saving lives and i think that's the way the doctor sees this way so he just wants to try to solve this mystery and help these this this child, these people. And he does. And he, he does it in such a beautiful, wonderful fashion. Uh, in this one, we meet Jack. I quite like uh, Captain Jack. Uh, I just think he's funny, especially with this team. He's all right with David Tennant, but I feel like when he's with um, the Ninth Doctor, I think he's just extra bit of sass, extra bit of... Um, funniness before uh, torchwood and all that kind of made him a bit more sort of you know he uh, he was still kind of you know jokey the haha sort of thing but like i think with before torchwood he was more just kind of like you know joking around not really taking things seriously and not very serious jack um but i mentioned like with the timeless child uh, the timeless child that's a different story uh with the empty child (laughs) um it's very lovely like are you my mummy um you know, the doctor gets moments where he can have a have a laugh and have a joke, and you know, with the um, Rose that tries to get him to dance, and he's like, "Would you mind? I'm trying to Rose. I'm trying to resonate concrete." You know, again, it's very silly, very stupid, but I I just think it's funny. Um, one of my again, one of my favourite moments in this is actually not a, one of Chris Eccleston's um best moments. It's not, it doesn't even involve him. One of my best quotes from all of Doctor Who ever is this one simple line, um, where they all start waking up. They've all got these masks on. They all start to wake up from these masks and kind of realize what's going on. Where are we? And this old lady goes up to the, the, a doctor, not the doctor, just a standard doctor, goes up to him and goes, um, Doctor, I, I, I came in here and I, I, I'm i I'm, a bit confused. And he goes, well, what's the matter? And she goes, well, when I came in there, I only had one leg. I, I've i got two. <laughs> And he looks and he goes, well, there is a war, run. Are you sure you haven't misplaced it? <laughs> I, again, it's silly. But it's one of my favourite sort of quotes of all of Doctor Who. It, it's very stupid, but it's just, again, very clever, funny writing. Um, but the time, look, the empty, I keep saying the timeless child. No, different story. Stop. Ugh. The empty child is, again, one of my fa- one of my favourites, just for the fact of he gets to be the hero. He gets to be the saviour. You know, Captain Jack messes up, you know, makes mistakes. You know, so it's down to the doctor to fix it, to to save the day, to to be the hero, and he does. And we find out that the villain is not actually a villain. It's not well. It's not anything really. It's just doing as as best as it can with what it's got. Um. With these, with the um, with the nanites, and that the nanites are just trying to help. And he realizes that, and he, he fixes them when he helps them. And it's um, it's very wonderful. It's very loving. Again, it, it's played out as very dark, very sort of scary uh, to begin with. But as the story goes on and you realize what's happening, um, it's a very sort of lovely sort of story. The whole idea where the Doctor is, he can be the hero for once. And I think that's what he wants. And that's what he was trying to be. He, he, he doesn't want anybody else to die. So if he can help everybody and save everybody, um, he will. And he does. And it's wonderful. Um, the next episode is... Uh, the Dalek. Uh this is called Dalek. This one again, this one is has a different contrast to the last one that I spoke about, there the empty child. This one is where the doctor is dark. This is back where he goes back to his War Doctor sort of mindset, where he's no longer the hero. He sees his mortal enemy, the last living Dalek. You know. And he's sort of you have moments where he especially when he has There is a moment where the doctor has a confrontation with the Dalek where he sits and he has a, he has a chat and um, he goes, I I watched my world burn. I killed you all. And I killed my own people. And he has that realization of like, damn, I'd not only just, I've not only like killed my own people, but I've killed yours too. I won. I'm the last one. And it's that moment of like, Oh God, I am only the last one that uh, everybody's gone. and I am on my own, you know, and I'm just like this Dalek that I am on my own and again you have that sort of it's it's one of those how can I explain it it's one of those sort of introductions with the doctor where if you did know doctor who you didn't know about the time war you would you wouldn't understand the doctor until this moment you wouldn't understand the time war up until this moment uh, this moment is done so brilliantly where you get an insight into the Ninth Doctor. and You can see that even though it's not blatantly, he doesn't say, oh, I did X, Y and Z. But you can tell from his speech, which is an incredibly powerful speech, um, that he he did a lot of bad stuff and he's killed a lot of people. And that he isn't, especially Rose, when Rose hears this, you can even see on Rose's face that this is not the man I th- thought it was. This is not the man I thought I was traveling with. This man's got a a dark uh, past that I own. I don't know about, you know. And he tries his best to kind of rationalize the old idea, like what I did was right, that I did the right thing. But then he also realizes that I've been telling myself that life for so long that it wasn't the right thing to do at all. But it was. It it was a means to an end. Like I didn't want to do it but I had to do it. You know? Um Yeah, it's 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 a very sort of interesting insight. And again, as I mentioned before, the whole this whole season is about the doctor's redemption. It's never made clear, but this whole F season is just about redeeming the doctor, the doctor redeeming himself, proving to himself that he is the um he's the man that he used to be. He's no longer the warmonger. you know he's no longer the 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 soldier he is you know the adventurer you know because he never wanted war but he had to get involved in the war um and like I said this again I'll go into a bit more detail now but like one of the main key parts where you see in this where you see the involution of the doctor and you can see this redemption arc is at the end where like he he basically goes to shoot the dark and he's like rose get out the way and she's like, No. He's like, Well, get out of the way now. Like it's a Dalek. I, I have to end this. I have to do this. You know, it's like there's he killed all my people. And then kind of Rose sort of shows the doctor like he this Dalek is different. You know, he's absorbed Rose's sort of feelings. He's he's becoming sort of human. And the doctor the 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 dalek itself is starting to feel emotion it's starting to understand that it's starting to come to terms with who it is and what it's done and it's starting to feel emotions and it doesn't understand why it feels sad and why it feels hurt and why it feels lonely you know and the doctor kind of within hearing the, the dalek and within seeing himself finally come out like his sort of dark side again, it's that moment of redemption where the doctor doesn't shoot the Dalek and he's just looking, he's like, I, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I, I'm sorry. You know, he kind of puts a gun, he puts a gun down. And he's like, I, I, "And you can see in his eyes, that he, he doesn't want to be that person that he allowed that person that he said that he would never be again to come out just because he, he saw his, his enemy that, you know, he needs, there's a lot more work needing in him within himself. Um, because uh, he no longer wants to be the warmonger, the, the war hero. Um, so it's, it's a very interesting, very deep sort of um, sort of story. Um, next one, uh, second to last, uh, is Father's Day. Uh, the reason I like Father's Day is because it th- messes around with time. Now I know you can say, well, Doctor Who always messes around with time. Um, it does. It does always mess around with time. But what I love about Father's Day... Is that it messes around with time in in a clever way? You know, in this one, Rose figures out, and we figure out one of the reasons why the Rose wanted to travel with the doctor in the first place was the reason why she changed her mind wanting to go with him um, in the first place was because she found out that the TARDIS could go in time, it could go forwards and backwards in time. And we find out that her main thinking, her main reason wanting to go on with the doctor wasn't just the adventure. But it was to go back in time and to see her dad. And um, they do for once to go back. And within going back and doing that, she changes the timeline. And she gets uh, the doctor and herself stuck with, within uh, a time loop. They get into a time loop where time keeps repeating itself. Where they are stuck in this ever, like I said, in, infinite loop of uh, this car keeps going around. And... And they're getting hunted down by these sort of like, I think they're called Reapers or something like that. They're like celestial beings that try to keep the timeline um, fixed. Uh, like try to keep the timeline sort of um, from breaking really, you know, kind of like the Time Lords, but they work like interdimensional sort of thing. And um, the Doctor and Rose kind of have to fix this sort of issue. And uh, it's a very lovely sort of, deep sci-fi sort of episode where like they really get into the whole idea of time travel and the science fiction sort of side of it all, as well as Rose gets a sort of lovely sort of moment where she gets to kind of meet her dad and talk to her, talk to him and kind of just has closure and it's guys to, even though they've sort of realized in the end that, you know, her dad has to die that, you know, he's the key to, to fix this. Um, but it's still that sort of lovely, nice moment where um, she gets to kind of have last words with her dad and then to kind of tell him about all the things that she's done and all the places she's been and uh, how her mum is and, you know, just a nice little thing. I think something that the doctor kind of is quite harsh on her, but... And so so rightly, you know, because, again, she does kind of almost break time completely, Um well, I I think it's a thing that we'd all do, you know. I, I I for one, I know there's people that if I had the chance to go back in time and to see them and talk to them again, I I would in a heartbeat. You know, I wouldn't sort of argue. I'd be like, yeah, go on, fine, no problem. I'm I'm there. I'm I'm coming. Um, and I think again, everybody listening to this, you'd probably be the same. Where you know, if you were given the option to go back to see a loved one or a friend or whatever, um, you would, you know, without a doubt, would be like, yeah, I'd, I'd happily go back and, and see them again. You know, so. Um, it's a very sort of loving sort of story uh, in that respect and I just, I enjoy it for it's, it's, I enjoy it for the time travel part of it, which I know sounds silly because all a Duck do is time travel but I mean, I I enjoy it for the fact of the aspects of really delving into what it means to kind of mess with the timeline and what happens and the the deep sort of science fiction sort of part of it. I think I really enjoy it for that as well as the the creatures and the monsters are quite sort of creepy as well. Uh, Anyway, finally, moving on We have Bad Wolf Uh, Bad Wolf is is one of those terms that just Appears everywhere in in this season Um, Not not just in the season But if you read the books uh, Bad Wolf appears in the books as well Uh, Bad Wolf appears in the graphic novels Bad Wolf appears um, In in these episodes And obviously once you've gotten To the Bad Wolf episode and you realise What it's all about and as to why It just appears everywhere then um you you figure out what it all means. You know what I mean? You 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 understand, oh, this is why I keep hearing Bad Wolf everywhere. It's 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 in lovely little Easter egg. Whenever I read anything but with Chris uh, Christopher Equins' Doctor, the Knife Doctor, whenever Bad Wolf appears, I always have a little giggle. Because I just I just love the sort of it's like I've, I i do not think I've ever seen before or since in any other sort of Doctor Who medium. Where they've just had this longing sort of thing in the background that just appeared, and it's just like, ah, I've always here, I've been here all the time, or maybe there has been. I've just not. It's just not been as prevalent as as Bad Wolf, especially now knowing it and watching the older episodes, and just seeing Bad Wolf written in the background, and being like, ah ha, ha. ah ha, <laughs> you know. Um, and obviously, it's all coming to a close now with this last sort of episode with with Bad Wolf and the Doctor sort of. Um, figures out what's happening what's going on about the bad wolf and what it all means and um what's what's going on really like what what's what's the what's the story what's what's the point to it all you know you know what does it all mean and when they finally figure out what it means and the whole sort of climax to it all um again is for me it was blew my mind it's, it still kind of blows my mind now because obviously i know it's coming but it's still that sort of thing of like, oh. I can see the, the the breadcrumbs that they hid here and there, and especially in the books and all that, where they just kind of hid, left little bits here and there. And it's just a very sort of clever, again, a clever writing. This, this team that was together for the first season generally had a major passion for Doctor Who, and they knew what Doctor Who should be and how to write Doctor Who. And it was just, the writing was just so clever, so smart. Obviously, I ain't gonna. I know I've spoiled a few of the episodes, but I, I'm not gonna spoil the Bad Wolf episode. I feel like for that one, it's just one that you sort of you need to kind of see it for yourself. Um, but I really enjoyed, like like I said, this episode. Like Linda for a Y, for <laughs> Linda with a Y, for example, uh, she deserved a lot more. Um, to my I would have loved if if Linda uh, stayed on as a companion. Um, but sadly, she doesn't. Um, again, I would have happy if Linda replaced Rose because Linda just seemed... At this moment in time, um, I feel like Linda would have been great with the Ninth Doctor. I think Linda would have been great, to be honest, with, with the 10th Doctor. Um, but sadly, you know, it wasn't meant to be. Um, but obviously, without going to spoilers, this is kind of... Uh, when I was talking about redemption for the Doctor, this is the point where the Doctor redeems himself. This is the end sort of moment where he is no longer the man he used to be. He is now the man that he... Again, he's no longer the War Doctor. He's he's now the man he used to used to be before the War Doctor. He's the traveller. He's the hero. He's the um, the um the person, the Doctor. You know what I mean? He's the guy that comes when it hurts. Um, and that's who he is and again this is that overall sort of end arc with it and it's again it's, it's very nice and it always makes me cry i um, always makes it tear up the little monologue he has uh, near to the end and again it's just it's just lovely generally really really lovely um so those are my favorite episodes um i feel like i went a bit too much with some even though i decided that i'm not going to talk about loads I, I feel like i went a bit too much with them um but but those are my favourite episodes. Um, you know what are your ghost favourite episodes? What is your favourite uh, Ninth Doctor episodes, or even just Ninth Doctor moments in any episode, really? Um, obviously let me know on Twitter. Um, so yeah, now the episodes are out of the way. Uh, let's move on to the books, shall we? So onto the books, I promise this one won't be as long. I just had a look and uh, the last segment was 22 minutes long. Sorry about that. <laughs> so I promise this one won't be, won't be as long. So I'll try to condense it and uh, be as sort of focused as possible. So um, one of the things that the BBC always seemed to do, uh, they don't do it as much anymore, but one thing they used to do back in the early 2000s, if they had a TV show, they, especially if it was big and popular, they would usually do books um, based off it. Doctor Who, no different. Uh, there was this, Apparently, there's been Doctor Who books for a very, very long time following the old sort of doctors. Um, again, as I've mentioned many times with my reading, um, I never really sort of was into reading. And obviously, best, best 2000, 2005, I was still sort of, I, God, I think I was t- in primary school. So my reading was atrocious. So the whole idea of books and reading weren't really for me. Um, so my... Introduction and my sort of enjoyment of the Doctor Who books when have only really been quite till quite recently. It's only I think what well, I think it was last year when I finished the, the um, all the books in total. Um, there are six in total, uh, and I have read them all. Uh, I've listed my three favourites. Um, there are loads I could, I, I could go through just to kind of give you an idea of. Of what they are and what they're called To give you like a better understanding of what these uh, these books are called uh, We've got the first book uh, The Clockwise Man uh, The Monster Inside Winner Takes All uh, The the Divergent Strain Only Human And The Stealer of Dreams um, All great, all fantastic Only out of, out of those six Only one that I didn't enjoy The rest of the four, four or five stars Being great to amazing Only one of them uh, was a free and that was the deviant strain, um, which I ain't going to talk about it because it's 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 not that good. Um, so those those are the books in total. My favourites, uh, in order of how I've got them written down. So book two, uh, the monster inside. Uh, the reason I love the monster inside and one thing I I didn't mention in. Um, as I was talking about the episodes, which I wanted to condense it. I could have happily sat here and spoke about every single episode, but I wanted to condense it, you know, so it's not as long, but one of my favorite episodes, um, in Doctor was the introduction of the Slovene. I love the Slovene. I would love to, I'd love for for the Slovene to come back. I don't know how they would do it. um, but I'd I'd like to find a way to bring the Slavine back because they're really fun. They're really interesting. You know, my farty friends, as I like I used to like call them when I was younger, the farty people. Um, I really just enjoy the Slovene and the monster inside. Kind of follows on the um the story. Well, not not follows on the story from the episode, but kind of follows on sort of versions of the Slavine because obviously the things with the Slavine. Is that they're not one race; they are a family race, you know. So how the Savine works is, they have huge families, and each family rules a certain part and a certain thing. Uh, in Fallopitorius Raxmacoris Ah oh, uh, Raxmacoris Fallopitor Rax th- Oh, even I think I'm I'm really butchering that. That's basically that gobbledygook that I just tried to say is the name of the Savine homeworld. It changes every time. I'm not sure as to which part it starts and which part's the beginning, which part's the end. I feel like I'm getting the both ends mixed up. Um, it's a very difficult name, and I feel like they did that on purpose. for really, really hard, <laughs> Make it really hard for people. Um, but yeah, it kind of introduces um, a different sort of faction, different sort of family of, of the Savine. It'd uh, have highlights of what's going on what happened in uh, the TV the TV show where the Doctor mentions like I I met uh, one version of your family on Earth and they were trying to do X Y and Z and um, it's again if you watch the TV shows with as I did I I again it's really nerdy of me but I looked at when say like a said episode was released and then I looked at when the book was released so I'd be like okay so I will I will watch this episode or that episode and then I will read this book. And then I would watch the next episode, then I would read this book. And that's basically how I did it. I didn't finish off the, the episode all the episodes until I had read all the books. I did it in a I did it in time, if that makes sense. I did it all sort of as you would if you was watching the show back in the two thousands. You would watch an episode or two, then the new book would come out and you'd buy the book, read the book, and then you'd watch the next episode a week or so later. So that's how I sort of I did it um kind of to get myself in the mindset of like the early two thousands. So to have little hints of this like, oh yeah, we recently met like Savines on, on Earth, and I'm like, oh yeah, because you know, I watched the um the episode where these Savines were introduced, um, and then I read this book. So again it's that very streamlined sort of moment. Um the synopsis, the the blurb for this for this book is The TARDIS takes the Doctor and Rose to a destination in deep space. Justica, a prison camp stretched over seven planets where Earth colonies deal with their criminals. While Rose finds herself locked up in a teenage boar store, the Doctor is trapped in a scientific labour camp. Each is determined to find the other, and soon both Rose and the Doctor are risking life and limb to escape in their distinctive styles. But their dangerous plans are complicated by some old enemies, are these creatures fellow prisoners as they claim or staging a takeover for their own sinister purposes? And obviously, as, we, as I've mentioned, as I've kind of spoiled those sort of... Uh, those enemies are the Savine. Um, But it's not what you think. I'll just say that. One of the things I love about the books, and one of the things I will mention before I move on to the next book, um, is that the way I see external media... So if you're going to do a TV show or a movie... If you're going to do external media, whether that be comics or you're going to do books, um, I feel that those things should try to push the envelope further. So, if, say, for example, you like Doctor Who, where um, you can get dark, but you can't get dark, dark. You know what I mean with Doctor Who? Because kids still watch it. So, you can't do too dark, but you can go close enough where... Uh, it's okay for kids to watch. Kids might still get scared, but it's okay for them to watch but you sort of not be you know, overly terrified where they don't want to watch the next episode. You know what I mean? Um, one thing I love about the books is that they're not, it's not that they go to that point where it's scary dark, but they just go to another level. You know, there are moments in, in these books where um, the Doctor goes again, like I said, he goes dark. Rose goes dark. You know, there's there's moments where not swear words but sort of um kind of really sort of word you wouldn't think like the word slag and stuff like that you know you wouldn't expect it to come up but it does not just not in this book in in the book i'm going to talk about next um and stuff like that it's kind of fact of god these words and these moments in doctor who but i've as i've spoken to people um who've read the older doctor who novels the um the new virgin ones and uh, other sort of other other sort of Doctor Who media in the past, they said, "Oh God, I haven't seen nothing." Uh, apparently, the older books go heavily into things that you would never think um, Doctor Who would go into, um, and I'm not saying that to kind of put people off. I'm just saying the fact of you know what I love about these books is that they go they go deep, they go dark, they go places the TV show can't go, in a good way. Not in a bad way. Like I know I mentioned, you know, it uses some language that you know you wouldn't expect, but it's never like you know overly explicit. It's more just kind of like you know horrible sort of names, you know, like like the word "slag" and stuff like that. It, it's it's as horrible like oh god, I never thought I'd heard that word in Doctor Who, but um, it pushes the envelope, and I like that. And the, the all the books sort of push the envelope, um, and I enjoy that, especially like in this in the next book, uh, book uh, book three in this series. Um, winner takes all uh, winner takes all sort of base, is based on earth uh, the doctor and Rose are back on earth and um, they go to basically meet sort of Rose's mom, Rose hasn't seen her mom in a long time so Rose goes to the doctor can we go see my mom, He goes yeah sure no problem and they get to um, her mom's place and find that she has like a games console and she's like Oh, why have you got a games console for and she goes oh they were just giving them out for free down the market because I, I bought a certain amount of things and they were bringing out free games and it basically turns out that this game console is not a game console it's 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 a sort of (laughs) how can i explain it it's like a training device anybody who gets to a certain sort of point in the game and gets to a certain sort of level will get invited to um the headquarters of where this game's made and then from there um the dark sort of things start to happen best way i can say it, without trying to spoil the story for you um but i love this story because the aliens that are in it obviously as you can imagine it's something to do with aliens that's not really a spoil it that's kind of obvious when you're talking about doctor who um but it the aliens that are, are, are in this are very are ones i'd love to see in real life let's just say that you know there are moments where uh, these sort of um I'm going to describe them. It's going to sound silly how I describe them, but um, one faction. There's two different factions. One faction are giant porcupines, okay, Um, alien porcupines, and the other faction are giant uh, giant praying mantises. Now, if you know um, if you know your animals, you know that uh, porcupines eat insects and um the praying mantis even though being quite big and quite deadly um well i don't know i've never seen a hedgehog against a praying mantis but i think if a hedgehog was able to get close to one obviously it's got its spikes to protect it i guess it could i guess if you made it the hedgehog a bit bigger potentially maybe um but these two warring factions these two different alien races are against each other they're fighting a war uh between each other and they haven't got many sort of soldiers left so they kind of build this game in terms to play to for humans to play that war for them um and it's it very silly it's very but it, it, again it gets very dark at times um, this is a very mickey sort of center story mickey kind of takes a centerfold in the story um i'm not the biggest fan of mickey um, not not in this series. In the first season, he's a bit of a wimp. He's a bit of a, like a moaner. All he does is moan and mope about. He kind of like kind of grows into his own as sort of the seasons go on with the like the tenth Doctor. But when you first see him in this first season, he's a bit of a, a, a bit of a baby, to be honest. Um, but he slowly starts to grow, and as you can see, like this, he his gamer sort of geeky side comes out. The Doctor, he's sort of um, warlike sort of side comes out. Um, it's, again, you get more of Rose's mother, and you get a bit more Rose. It's just a nice little sort of human-based sort of story. Um, as for the final book, book five, Only Human. This one is just insane. Like, if if I was to recommend you any book from the Ninth Doctor, I would recommend Only Human. It is just crazy. It, it is um, it's mental. I know I didn't read the blurb for. Um, Winner takes all because I, 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 what I best explained is the basic premise of it, but for only human, I'm going to talk about the blurb um, because I'm gonna need it to help me justify what I'm gonna say. (laughs) Um, So, this is the book's description. So, somebody's interfering with time. The doctor, Rose, and Captain Jack arrive on modern-day Earth to find the culprit and discover a Neanderthal man, twenty-eight thousand years after his race became extinct. Only a trip back to prim- only a trip back to primal dawn of humanity can solve the mystery. Who are the mysterious humans from the distant future now living in the distant past? What hideous monsters are trying to escape from behind the gray door? Is Rose going to end up married to a caveman? Caught between very different types of human beings, past, present and future, the Doctor, Rose and Captain Jack must learn the truth behind the Osterberg experiment before the monstrous high Bractus escapes to change humanity's history forever. This book is insane. This book is... This book is pure Doctor Who. Like, if... There's no way to explain it. It is basically just batshit crazy... Sci-fi Doctor Who, like it's the kind of episode that like you wish it was a TV episode. You wish this was like something that they. There's no way they could do it because the budget would have been way too high for what you know Doctor Who was and is even now, and probably what the, the BBC would willing to pay just for this one episode. Or even we'd have to be two parts. Um, it's just crazy. Um, the basic sort of premise of it is that. They go, they find a disturbance in time, follow it, find it's a a caveman. So the doctor's basically like, we're going to have to figure out why this, uh, why this caveman's here. And they basically say to to Jack, like, here you go, Jack, here's some money. Um, Look after him. Me and Rose are going to go back in time to figure out, you know, why he's here. So you there's two different storylines going on in in this, in this book. You've got the first storyline, which is uh, the Doctor and Rose go back in time, in prehistoric times to figure out as to how and why um, the Neanderthal is in our time, well, say 2005, 2006 time, and then also got to figure out um, what's going on, and then you've got timeline sort of two, what's going on modern day with Captain Jack and he's with the Neanderthal and trying to Teach him English, trying to teach him the modern world and how it works. And obviously, Captain Jack being Captain Jack, um, it doesn't always go uh, to plan. Um, but it's the funny, the funniest parts are when it cuts back. You'll be moments where you'll have this really big, epic sort of moment going on with with Rose and the Doctor, and then it will cut back, and it'll be like a diary entry of uh, this caveman. How he's sort of talking about what him and Jack got up to, what him and Jack did. And like Jack ends up taking him to a nightclub, and ends up getting him laid. Uh, and it, again, it's just incredibly crazy and insane. Um, I love it. I really do. It, it's incredibly stupid, but it's it's do stu- it's stupid in the in the right way. It's not stupid as in like oh this this is terrible. Like it's in stupid as this is fantastic. This is funny. Um, the aliens are great. You know the sort. of. Creatures and the people that they meet In the past is funny Captain Jack is com- is complete 100% Captain Jack uh, The Neanderthal He's fantastic It's just one of them sort of stories that Is just It's so crazy that it's hard to explain It's just one of those where you just have to Kind of like here's the book read it And enjoy um, and There's not much more I can say Of it from that like generally it's just one of those that you've got to Jump in and Um, look fine for yourself. Um, it's incredibly silly. Um, incredibly fun. Well written. You'll love it. That's the best I can say about it. So, uh, that's my three favorite uh, books out of of all six. Um, by by all means, jump in, give them a go. The, um, Deviant Strain, uh, it's not so great. If you're going to, like, I listened to it from audiobook. The audiobook was, was really, like, the book wasn't itself bad. It's just the narrator they got was really, really bad, and that kind of ruined the book for me. Um, so I recommend if you're going to get round to to read all these books that you do, that you do read, the Deviant Strain, you can do the the audios on the rest. But the Deviant chain you I would recommend to sit and actually read that one because uh, as an audiobook, it just doesn't work. Um, but the rest are great. The rest are fine. The rest are really enjoyable. Um, highly recommend them all in a way and uh yeah so give them a go so onto um my overall thoughts uh on the on the on the eighth doctor and kind of break down the uh, the ninth doctor as best as i can or my interpretation of the ninth doctor and finally uh, my overall thoughts um but before i jump into that one thing i want to mention um cuz i've just going through my notes before i started this one one thing i forgot to mention is that there are um comic books based off the ninth doctor i think they started around about 2015 um i haven't really sort of delved into them much um i started reading them quite recently for this sadly i've been i was really busy yesterday so i wasn't able to finish them i'm about two away from finishing the first volume i think there's about five volumes in total each one has about five comics so that one story, um, but even though I can't talk specifically about the ones the the overall story that I'm read because I haven't gotten to the end of it, uh, I do want to mention that it is quite cool, it is quite interesting, quite funny, well written, um, very crazy, very insane, um, but a lot of fun. So I do recommend sort of checking them out. I'm enjoying them so far, and when I get around to finishing them, um, I'll let you guys know if I remember, most likely on Twitter but there there's that. So, um my overall thoughts on the ninth, on the ninth doctor. So, well let's start with the the season in general before I get onto the doctor himself. Um my overall thoughts with the the season is that it's it's a fantastic introduction to a character. That's what you want and what you needed because that's basically inherently is the point of um this season of Doctor Who was the fact of it was the revival. It was bringing it back. It was Trying to satisfy the old guard, as well as bring in the new guard, you know, old fans and new fans, um, as well as trying to satisfy it was trying its best to kind of tell a new story that like the time war happened. Um, we didn't see the time war, but the time war happened. And this is kind of the outcome. This is the doctor that kind of after the time War's ended. This is sort of the new doctor um, that we've got. Um and the story kind of just continues from there. Kind of like we recognize what happened in the past and what took place with the older Doctors. Um, but this is kind of like, it's kind of like a soft reboot. So they kind of use the time war to kind of have a soft reboot. Um, being like it happened, it took place a lot for over a long period of time. This new Doctor is very different, very changed, very new. Um, trying to figure out who he is again. So uh, he's trying to find out who, like who he is, what he is how to be and uh, that's it kind of move on from there Um, and I like that I understand why they did that and obviously as a fan as somebody who's coming into um, Doctor Who um, quite very sort of new and very sort of green um, it was a good call because if they came out and just be like oh there's this, this this and this and this time war and there was these old Doctors it was like hold on a second you're too much you're smothering me slow down stop you know it would have been too much for me to sort of figure out especially now back in the day back in the early 2000s we don't have streaming like we like we like we do now like there was no way to kind of catch catch up like if you wanted to catch up on the old sort of doctor who especially like, i don't think there was amazon there was no such thing as amazon so like back in the day wanting to catch up with the old doctor who it was like i've got to, got to go to like a car boot or like a charity shop and hopefully they've got like an old episode on on vhs that i can stick into my video player and watch, you know, I don't think they would have been on DVD at the time, you know. So going back and trying to watch these old Doctor Who episodes would have been a lot. So kind of like a fresh sort of reboot was was a smart idea. And as I said, you know, as as you go on with Christopher Eccleston and as you go on with his Doctor, um you kind of see the fact of he's trying to redeem himself and trying to get to the point where like he's no longer the the warrior that he is the Doctor and that he is the hero. Um, and he's trying to prove that self, not just to everybody else, but he's trying to prove that to himself. Um, so that in its total, you know, this whole season is just a redemption arc. It's a very wonderful, beautiful redemption arc. (coughs) Pardon me. It goes from being very happy and very funny and jokey to being very dark and very sad at times. Um, Again, like I said, the writing's fantastic. The directing's fantastic. Chris Eccleston himself is fantastic. I know I'm using the word fantastic a lot, and ironically, that is that is the word that Chris Eccleston's doctor uses a lot, which is fantastic. Um, which I feel like that's where I've I've got it from. Is why I use the word so proficiently, um, but not proficiently. So profusely is that the right word? You know, I use the word so much. Um, because of watching Doctor Who and Grown-Up with, with, with Christopher Eccleston, where I just, ev- everything is fantastic, you know, and obviously fantastic is fantastic, but for me, fantastic means a lot more than fantastic. For me, fantastic is, it's brilliant, it's excellent, it's amazing, it's incredible. You know, that one word to describe something that is fantastic, you know, also means all these other sort of meanings. So I know I use it a lot, and I used to get teased for it, but I don't care i know i use the word a lot and i don't really care i like the word and it makes me happy so yeah leave me alone not that i'm sure that anybody listens to this is judging me (laughs) just talking to myself now re self-affirming that it's okay to say that word without any worries um but yeah overall it fantastic season fantastic doctor i just wish we had more christopher eccleston um and obviously now on to the juicy part now breaking down my thoughts of what the doctor is and what what i think this doctor is um i have had a long time to think about this i've had a long time to really proper meld on it and obviously hindsight being what it is and we've seen um paul mcgann he him fighting with in the time war and um needing to be a different man and having to change himself into the war doctor jonathan hurt and um then from the War Doctor going on with obviously, the whole Bad Wolf sort of thing, meeting with um, Matt Smith and David Tennant's Doctor, and them going through all of that, and then finally uh, he regenerated into Christopher Eccleston. You know, even without that, you can see that this whole sort of arc, this whole sort of story is a redemption. It's a redemption arc that the Doctor needs, because as we said, the Doctor's been through the Time War. He's been through a lot. He He's done a lot of bad things. He's killed people. He's done mass genocide multiple times. Um he went to a very dark place and I feel like with this doctor he's trying to redeem himself. He's trying to save people. He's trying to be the hero again. He's trying to rediscover that part of him that he thought was lost. Um and he does. He finds Rose and Rose brings out that human sort of side of him that he lost that he became full gallifreyan he became full time lord very sort of you know heartless and very much like i need to get the job done no matter what no matter the cost again that's why paul mcganns doctor changed into the war doctor is because he couldn't be he needed to be a man that he knew he couldn't he he could be but he couldn't be you know what i mean he morally he would he wants to be the man but he can't cuz morally he knows in, in inside himself he is not that person and like again you see it with like Tom Baker where like he has the moment where he could destroy all of Daleks but then he kind of and Sarah Jane's like what are you waiting for and he's like but do I have the right like all I have to do is put these two wives together and that's it the Daleks are done for gone I never have to deal with them ever again but do I have the right to kill all the Daleks you know what I mean do I have the right to do that because, you know, think about all these other, all these lives that are going to be not, all these races that will never meet the Daleks, uh, will never know that struggle. And you probably think, well, what do you mean, know that struggle? Never know the fact of coming together, saving themselves, you know, st- coming together, having that unity, that common goal, that common enemy, where they can unite and become peaceful. You know, all these worlds that never experienced this. Do I have the right to sort of choose that fate? And in the end, like, spoilers, Tom Baker's Doctor, he doesn't do it. Um, but obviously, the War Doctor would have d- done it. And he did do it, you know. So even though the Doctor can go to a very dark place, and as we see with the with the later version, with, like, Peter Capaldi and David Tennant, and even Matt Smith at times, um, you do get to a point where... It, he can't be that man, so he has to change into the War Doctor. And I feel like with this Doctor, now he's sort of coming back to who he is. He's trying to figure out who he is. Am I still that person? Am I still the Doctor? Or am I still the War Hero? So you have that redemption arc as well. And one of the beautiful things about this episode is that, you know, in the first episode, in the second episode, it kind of takes him to this space station where you see the Earth being destroyed. And how he's trying to save the day but every time he tries to save the day somebody has to die in the process you know that, that tree lady she dies within helping the doctor you know and there's moments throughout the seasons where like he tries to be the hero and he knows that he can save the day but he knows that if he saves the day he might Rose might die and that you know he he, he can't live himself knowing that he potentially killed Rose uh, you know and that you know she said do it you know just just do it and he and he goes well you 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 want me to do it but you know that you will die and she goes well it's it's the right thing to do you know you have a plan i know you will you you know you wouldn't say if it meant you know this wasn't the right thing to do and there are many moments in this where he just has that sort of clarity of like i am i i don't have to be that man anymore i don't have to be the the guy that just chooses the destruction path. I can. There are other avenues, and at the very, very end, at the final episode, he gets a he gets a choice, a chance to um, save the day and be the war the war hero, to be the to be the war doctor, to stop the Daleks, to save everything, and the the, the Dalek says to him like, you know, c- can you do this, you know? You know, this is what you are. You are a a good Dalek. You know, you just care about destruction, no matter what the cost, and you know about extermination. And he goes, like, "I'll do it. I'll do it." And um, in the end, he just—again, this moment makes me cry. Where he he has it in his hand, you have that moment of just realizing, of where he realizes, "I'm no longer that man. I'm no longer the war hero." And he just looks it up and he, he's, you can tell he's in tears. He's crying because he's also had that mental breakthrough. He's had that redemption sort of breakthrough of like, like imagine if for your whole life, you've been told that you are a bad person, that you are, you know, you're evil, that, you know, that you're not a very good person. You would tend to believe it, that you go for a whole lifetime where this is what you believe who you are, because this is what you've been told you are. And, because you've been told that this is how you act, this is how you behave, this is how you treat others, this is how you treat yourself. And eventually one day you get to the point where um, you do something good and not not just because you want to do something, not because you felt like you, know, you should do something good. Inherently, you just did good because that's just what felt right at the time. It wasn't a choice, you just did it. And you have that realization of like, I, I just helped somebody. I just did good without having to be told to be good. I did it because in in morally and internally, I wanted to be good. I wanted to be the hero. And that's basically the idea and the the premise of this sort of moment where the Doctor has that revelation of this, like, I'm no longer the bad guy. I'm no longer the the destroyer. You know, I am a coward. (laughs) And that's a good thing. Uh, I would rather, and as he says, I would rather be a coward any day than to to kill any more people. And that kind of sends a ripple and sends an arc all the, for the rest of the doctors, for the rest of the seasons going ahead with like David Tennant, Matt Smith, Peter Capaldi. It sends a ripple for all the doctors. And it's like, I would rather, you know, be the coward than to be the, the destroyer, than to be the guy that kills everybody, to, to do ma- mass genocide. I'd rather run away then to stick around to watch everybody burn to kill everybody to not save the day i'd rather run away um and that's quite noble and quite courageous and a very sort of loving sort of moment um and it's very nice for again his doctor to have that sort of moment of just like i am no longer that man and then to obviously sadly we know as to why he he regenerates because of obviously creative differences chris beckleston and uh, wanting just to kind of part ways on a on a good footing, and that's where David Tennant comes in. But also story wise, it works as well because this Doctor had a moment of revelation where like he's no longer that man, and now he kind of regenerates into a man, the man that he he can be, that he wants to be, that he should be. He regenerates into the Doctor, and you know as we go with David Tennant, we see that's the man that he wanted to be but he needed to prove to himself that he could be to be that man to deserve to be that man and he finally gets round to being able to be that man in David Tennant because obviously even though different faces different people playing different character it's still the same character still the same memories same feelings same thoughts just because they look different and they act different doesn't mean they are different people so internally it was for the doctor needing to know that I can be that person again, and then to regenerate and to become to David Tennant to be and to be able to be that person. Obviously, as we followed with David Tennant, we saw him the whole Time Lord victorious and going very dark and very power hungry. And again, I one day when I get round to doing a David Tennant um, special, when I talk about David Tennant, I will get into more into the whole Time Lord victorious story because um, it's very interesting. But yeah, Chris Reckelson he's he's the doctor that needed redeeming and he finally gets the redemption he needs and he he redeems himself and again like i've mentioned it, it sends a ripple for the rest of the doctors moving forwards um and this is why i i agree with Chris eccleston he made the recent statement where he said that his doctor isn't a multi-doctor doctor that his doctor is a a one-man sort of show and that if they want him back he has to be on his own And I agree with that. And the reason I agree with that is because of the fact of the turmoil he's going through. You know, the whole fact of he's been through the time war for so long on his own. He's done all the things he's done. And now he's regenerated into a new man, into a new body, into a new person. And he's trying to figure out where he fits. Is he still the Doctor? Is he still a good person? Is he still a good man? Um, And he, he goes to that redemption that I don't think it would work if you brought in David Tennant or Matt Smith or Peter Capaldi or or Jodie Whittaker. It wouldn't work if you brought any of those in because even though you could have a moment where he looks at those doctors and be like, ah, oh, it's, it's nice to see that I've changed. It's nice to see that I'm right. I feel like it would discredit the whole season. It would discredit the whole sort of um, moment, the whole sort of uh, arc where he tries to learn if he can be a good man. Where he has that redemption, where he finally figures out that he can be that man, and for him internally to figure that on his own, not to see, it ha- not to see him change, you know, because he's changed, if that makes sense, and um, seeing meeting other doctors, I just don't think it would work. I just, and again, as I mentioned, this doctor, even though he has Rose, this doctor is still a one-man show. He still is his own sort of thing. He's still trying to figure out who he is and where he stands. So it, he, Rose is there to guide him. Rose is there to be his shining beacon of just like to keep him on the path of good, to make sure he doesn't veer off that path. That's why Rose is there. But even though Rose is that person, he's still a one-man show. You know, even when Jack's there, again, Jack, even though Jack's there and when Rose is there, they're just there to keep him on track. They're not there to kind of um, to make the decision. At the end of the day, the decision is still his. It's just Rose's or Jack's opinion changes that decision somewhat and kind of molds him to be the the good guy to be the man he knows he wants to be and can be he just has to find that person he has to put himself in those situations to help that person come out and i find that very fascinating very interesting very deep and again another reason why i always come back was people shouldn't skip nine nine is very integral to the overall arc of who the doctor is who this modern doctor is um from Chris Rezklestone to David Tennant to Matt Smith to Peter Capaldi to, um. To Jodie Whittaker, you know, he is this type of doctor. This is who this doctor is, and it it took. To to understand those doctors, you have to understand this doctor. You'd have to understand nine, and to understand nine. You have to understand the War Doctor. You know, and one. That's one of the things I love about that sort of the the fiftieth anniversary. That whole sort of. Um, thing they did with the war doctor and peter mcgann um was that i yeah, uh, was that it gave you a better understanding of what the doctor went through the time war, which then in turn gave you a better understanding of who the ninth doctor is now, especially as well with reading the books and um going through the graphic novel that i'm uh, that I'm going through at the moment the comic book and um listening to snippets of the um, big finish sort of stories that sort of you, you realize that he's just a man that's trying to redeem himself. That he's the man that's trying to prove not just to himself, but to, to, to the universe that he just is, he deserves this role. He deserves to be the doctor again, but he has to first prove himself to himself that he he deserves to be the doctor. Um, And I think that's very loving. And I think there are moments where he deals with PTSD. There are moments where he deals with the sort of self-sacrifice where it's like, do I deserve to live? Do I deserve to be here? And there are many moments where he just he's like, I will just sacrifice myself. I don't care. Go on, kill me. Go on, do it. And there are moments where like, you're not sure where it's like, does he know that they wouldn't do it? Or generally thinking like, if they do it, they do it. Screw it. Like kill me, I'm ready to go. Like I don't deserve to bit to be alive. I don't know. It's again, it's 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 very complex, very deep. But it's one of those sort of questions where you have to sit there and you have to think of us like, is he suicidal? You know, is that part of him having his PTSD? Is that part of him having to go through stuff? And again, you. This again, another thing I love about the books is the books go to that length. The books go to that point where you you, you see the doctor struggling with the war. You're struggling with. The, the choice of consequences, the choice of being the Doctor, the choice of being uh, this person, this man. Um, and it's very deep. It's, it's very loving. And again, this is what I love about The Ninth Doctor, is that it, it's deeper than what people give credit for. People just see on the surface, one season, bleh, I ain't going to sit and watch it. I'm going to jump straight to David Tennant. And again, I don't blame people for doing that. I really don't, because David Tennant is amazing. But I will still stand hard and say, it's very foolish to skip... The Ninth Doctor, when there are so much to the Doctor, when there's so much to his transaction with Rose, with his transactions with um, uh, Jack, with his transactions with Mickey, with transactions with the universe, with other characters, with um, his transactions with himself. And again, it's just very loving, very wonderful sort of thing and i just feel like you know the knife doctor deserves more love and i i I would love to see the knife doctor back but you know after hearing what chris reckleston said recently like if they want him back he has to be on his own would they do it i don't think the bbc would but it's just nice to know that you know there is a way that he would come back if they did it would they don't know would like to obviously but that's it, you know. So that's that's my overall thoughts on the Ninth Doctor and the this season and the books and all the things that come with it. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you liked it. Again, this is my tenth episode, so I wanted it to be a big one. Um, but I obviously with ep- every episode that I do, I do worry about how long these episodes go on for and if people are really enjoying them. But I'm guessing I'm just gonna go on a limb here that if, if I've done like eighteen plus episodes. Uh, Well, this being the 18th, uh, this being the 10th one of the main series and obviously 18 overall and people are still listening and I'm still getting loads of people uh, listening and enjoying it and giving feedback. I have to kind of give some sort of idea and some concept uh, in my mind that if um, all this is happening and people are enjoying it um, and I'm at this point that people don't mind the episodes being so long. So I've got to stop judging myself. And beating myself up for doing long episodes. If people like them and people enjoy them, then I'll keep doing them. Um, but yeah, I, I hope you enjoyed this one, and thank you for staying with me through um, all these episodes and all these different topics, and listening and enjoying and giving good feedback and sharing it and following me on Twitter. It means so much to me. Um, if you're listening to me on Spotify, don't forget to, to give a rating um at one to five whatever you feel like is is fair uh if you want to follow me on twitter it's a nerdstalgic underscore pod or just type in nerdstalgic podcast and you should find my flaming face uh on there um easy to find uh, just give me a follow um, drop feedback let me know what you thought if you liked an episode good or bad obviously you know we everybody wants good feedback but good or bad uh, whatever uh, it is you want to tell me, let me know. All feedback is good feedback at the end of the day. It all helps to improve, to make things better. And uh, yeah, so I think that's everything. Yeah, that's everything. So um, that's what, again, before I go, I just want to say thank you. Generally, from the bottom of my heart, it, it means a lot to for, for all your support. You listening here now, thank you. If you're listening on your car or on your phone, uh, thank you. It means so much. And um, yeah, so as always, stay sexy, stay active. I love you all. Peace. And thank you so much for listening. It means so much. Thank you.